Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. This evening, I want to continue on. I want to continue on um, from the message that I preached last week. And uh, we've, I, I love that over the last couple of weeks, as Pastor Ashley was here, we've been focusing on building a community of miracles. And uh, I, I just really felt as our senior pastor stepped into that, it, it opened something up uh, for us. And, you know, we've been unashamedly uh, a church that believes in the miracle-working power of God. Uh, we're Pentecostal at heart, and um, we believe in the signs and wonders and the gifts of the Holy Spirit still operate today. And we have continued to push into that. But I think when your senior pastor steps in and uh, he begins to encourage us, there's something that, that shifts in that. And so I was so excited about that. And... Um, and so I just wanna continue on from the message I shared last week. And if you did miss it, just let me recap a couple of things um, just to catch you up to speed. And so um, last, last Sunday night, um, we talked about how God is still doing miracles today. And uh, he didn't, those miracles didn't die out with the first century apostles. God is still doing miracles today. In fact, this whole room is full of miracles. People's lives who have been changed by the grace and love of Jesus Christ, amen. And uh, and. Uh, you know, and we said that um, one of the key reasons why God has, uh, does miracles through us is to evangelize, is to prove to people that He is real, that, he, that Jesus is alive. And Paul, writing about his own ministry, he said in Romans 15, verse 18, he made this great statement. He said, yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to that other place. Um, but I love that. I love, he says, he's talking about his ministry. He goes, I shared the message, but then I also moved in miracles. Message and miracles. He goes, that way I have fully presented the good news of Jesus Christ. And he's suggesting if I just do one or the other, then I've only partially presented the good news. But the fact that I do both, then I have fully presented the good news. See, the, the message of miracles, God intended to work hand in hand. And when we are operating in both, that's when we are most effective at reaching people with the love and grace of Jesus Christ. So we need both. And then we ask the question, well, where do we start? How do we see miracles become part of our everyday Life and, and I said, I believe that it starts by a renewing of my, our mind, by changing the way that we think. And uh, Paul writes in Romans 12 verse 2, he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And of course, God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is to work through our lives to see people come to know Jesus. That's His good, pleasing, and perfect will, to use us, to move through us so that many people can come to know Jesus. So I believe what Paul is saying in this passage is that if we are going to be able to outwork that good, pleasing, and perfect will, then we need to approach each day with a kingdom mindset. Amen. And then we looked at the story in Acts chapter 3, where Peter and John came upon a lame man who was begging at the gate called Beautiful. And he was put there every day to beg for money. And this particular day when they come up to him, um, they, uh, they, he asked them for money and they said, well, 
you know, silver and gold we do not have, but what we have we give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And uh, we suggested, you know, that perhaps this wasn't the first time they'd interacted with this man. Perhaps they'd passed this way before because they were going up to the temple at the time of prayer and they were Jews and that's what Jews did. And he was put there every single day and everybody knew him. And, but on this particular occasion, it was different because on this particular occasion, they were thinking differently because they had a revelation that they carried something special, something that could, uh, couldn't just meet the needs, uh, the man's needs for a moment, but could change his life forever. And they ministered to him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we ended by saying that if you're in Jesus Christ, you carry the same thing. You carry the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. You carry the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of you. So wherever you go, whatever you face, whatever you come up against, you carry something special that's not limited by the natural things of the world, but you carry a power that can do far over and above anything you could ever ask, think, or imagine. And the same Spirit that did all the miracles in this book, that opened blind eyes, that healed deaf ears, that, that healed broken bodies, that set people free, is the same Spirit that lives inside of you. It's the same Spirit that we worship tonight. It's the same Spirit that we prayed for. It's the same Spirit that's in this place. And His Word says, where two or three are gathered together, there I am. And I believe if you have a need in your life tonight that God can meet it. I believe that we serve a miracle-working God, and He is desperate to move in your life this evening. So I want to carry on um, from that. Just a quick cap. If you missed it, I encourage you to listen to the podcast. I pray that it blesses you. But I want to carry on further tonight. I want to start from a verse in John 17. Now, if you're familiar with the passage of John 17, you'll know that this is a prayer that Jesus was praying right before He was arrested and taken to be crucified. And I've shared this before, but I, I, I felt that somebody needed to be encouraged with this tonight. Um, Perhaps you're here and you're like, you know, just maybe you have some questions. Does Jesus really love me? Does Jesus care about me? Does he see what I'm going through right now? And uh, what's interesting about this prayer is over the um, chapter of John 17, it covers 26 verses. Now, remember, Jesus is about to be arrested and be crucified, and he understands what's about to happen. And yet of these 26 verses, he only spends five of them praying for himself. The other 21, he prays for those he loves. His disciples, you and I. Now, I'll put myself in his shoes. If I was about to face what he was about to face, I'd probably spend the whole time praying for me. God, protect me. God, help me. God, get me out of this. God, do something. Yet Jesus spends most of the time praying for his disciples and you and I. This is how much he loves us. This is how much you are on his mind constantly. This is how much he wants the absolute best for you. So if you're ever concerned whether God, whether Jesus loves you or cares about you, then just... Consider the moment he was in when he prayed for you. Anyway, that's just a sec extra side note, but the verse I want to share with you is found in John 17, verse 18. So this is Jesus speaking. He says, just as you sent me into the world, so he's talking to the Father, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Now, if you're familiar with this passage, you'll appreciate that this particular part, he's, he's uh, talking about his disciples. But I also believe that this applies to you and I, his modern day disciples. Saying, just as, as the Father sent me into the world, I am sending you into the world. I considered that and I thought, okay, well, how did God send Jesus into the world? If Jesus is sending us into the world in the same way that he was sent into the world, 
What I want to know, well, how was, how was Jesus sent into the world? Well, he was sent into the world to represent the Father and to carry out his will. He was sent into the world to represent the Father and to carry out his will on earth. Actually, on one occasion, Philip asked Jesus if he would show him the Father because he wanted something to, to help his faith. And this is how Jesus answered Philip. It says in John 14, verse 9, Jesus replied, Have I been with you this, all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show, you, show him to you? Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you've already seen the Father. You don't need to see anything else because everything that I do, my character, my words, my deeds, my actions, they are a perfect representation of the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Actually, Jesus even said one time in John 5, 19, he said, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also, he's saying, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. That means that everything that we read about in this book that Jesus did, all those incredible miracles, all the bodies that he healed, the people he set free, those he ministered to, provided for, you know what? That was the heart of the Father. That was the heart of God. He, was, he wasn't doing it of his own accord. He was doing it because the Father desired him to. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. Here's the good news. The Father still wants to do those things today. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, so is the Father and so is the Holy Spirit because they are one. God is still the same. He still wants to do it in your life. I don't believe his desire to do what he did there for those he loved has changed today. I believe that he still desires to do the same things and even greater things. But now the only difference is, the only difference is that he hasn't just chosen now to do them through Jesus, but rather by his grace, he's also chosen to do them through us. If we would just make ourselves available for him to do so. Just as the Father sent Jesus into the world, Jesus has now sent you and I into the world. Jesus has commissioned us to carry on what he started. And that includes not only sharing the good news, but that also includes moving in signs and wonders to confirm the message, amen? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So our goal should be to say, if you've seen us, you've seen Jesus. Now, that's... Let's say that's an impossibility because we're not perfect. That's a lifelong mission to become more and more like Jesus, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. Because if we're called to be Christ's ambassadors, if we are really gonna fully represent Jesus, then a message is super important, but so are miracles. Because wherever Jesus went, he shared the message, but he confirmed it through signs and wonders. So if we wanna fully present him, we need to pursue both. <laughs> you know, I, I, as I said, we can't do that perfectly, but we should try. In fact, in fact, striving to do that. 
striving to represent Jesus in all those facets is actually shows him how much we love him. Actually shows how much we appreciate what he's done for us. In fact, Paul, Paul understood this. That's why he wrote in Philippians 3.12, he said, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have reached perfection. In other words, or that I've become like Christ. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. He says, I haven't arrived there. I haven't become the, the perfect representation of Jesus. And it's very difficult, but I still, I still strive. I still press on to do that. I don't just rest where I am, but I desire to represent Jesus in the best possible way that I can. And so I say all that. I say all that so that we appreciate this. The building a community of miracles, as Pastor Ashley has been encouraging us to, isn't just a good idea. It isn't just a good idea so we experience some cool things so we have some great testimonies to share. It's more than a good idea. But building a community is something that, as believers, we need to be committed to. Not only so we can truly say that we're representing Jesus but also so we can reach as many people as possible with the good news of Jesus Christ, amen? If that's what we're committed to, then we need to pursue building a community of miracles. We need to be committed to doing all that we can to represent Jesus fully. Uh, there's a passage in Romans 12 verse one, Paul writes, and I've said this many times and I'll probably quote it many times uh, beyond today as well, but the reason I, I this verse just speaks to me is because it just reminds me so much of our purpose as followers of Jesus. And Paul writes this, Romans 12, verse one, he says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way we worship him. This is truly the way we worship him. Our commitment to do all we can, our commitment to fully represent Jesus Christ is the way that we truly worship Him. And it's impossible to fully represent Jesus Christ if we don't seek to partner with the Holy Spirit to see the miraculous of heaven invade the reality of earth, amen? You know, I, I believe if we're gonna be as effective as possible in reaching the world for Jesus, then we need to pursue as many ways as possible to provide others with the evidence that God is real, that Jesus is alive. And sometimes that takes more than just the message. Actually, I've lost my space, actually. I preached twice this morning and my mind keeps going back to my message this morning and I keep getting mixed up with where I am. Where am I actually? Yes, there we go, yes. Just chat amongst yourselves, I'll work it out, I'll come back to you in a minute. But I believe, you know, some, I, I do believe this. And it might sound controversial, but actually I believe it takes more than just a message sometimes. The message is awesome, I'm not diluting the power of the message. Message is important. I've committed my life to preaching the message. But sometimes we need more than a message to prove that 
Jesus is real for people to get a revelation. You remember in the 40 days after Jesus was resurrected, so Jesus comes back to life before he ascends to heaven. It says that he walks on the earth for 40 days. And for 40 days, he presented himself to, the, to his disciples a number of times. And if there should ever have been a group of people that should have believed that Jesus was alive, then surely it would have been the disciples. I mean, his 12 disciples that walked with him, they were his closest companions at the time. He had told them numerous times he was gonna raise back to life. If there's anyone that should believe him easily, it should have been the disciples. Yet look at what it says in Acts chapter one, verse three. It says, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. He proved to them in many ways, not just one way, not just by a message, but he proved to them in many ways that he was alive. Now, if Jesus uh, had to prove to the apostles in many ways that he was alive, those who were most closest to him, that were his closest companions, those who already knew that he was gonna come back to life, if he had to prove to them in many ways that he was alive, then wouldn't it make sense that we too need many ways to prove that Jesus Christ is alive to people who don't even know Jesus? I think that needs more than just a message sometimes. You remember the disciple named Thomas? The Bible tells us when Jesus appeared to the disciples after his resurrection, that Thomas wasn't with them. He was off doing something else on, on that particular day. and So he didn't see Jesus at the time. So instead, the disciples went to him later and they shared with him the message that Jesus is alive. They said, to Thomas, Thomas, these are the other 11 disciples, right? The other 11 disciples go to Thomas and say, Thomas, Jesus is alive. Do you know what Thomas said? He said to them this, well, I appreciate that message. But unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, Thomas, over the centuries, he's got a pretty bad rap for that response. In fact, he's been doubted, well, he's been labeled Doubting Thomas. We know him as Doubting Thomas, right? But, but look at what happened. Look at what happens in John 20, 26. It says a week later, his disciples, so this is a week after they've told Thomas that Jesus is alive and he said, no, no, I don't, I don't believe the message. I need to experience it for myself. It says a week later, his disciples were in a house again and this time Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood there among them and he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. He had a revelation, oh, you are alive. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Now nowhere, nowhere do we read that Jesus was upset with him. Nowhere do we read that he was disappointed with his faith. Instead, what we see is that Jesus was willing to give him what his faith desired to know. Jesus was willing to give him more than just the message. And because of that, Thomas believed that Jesus was indeed alive. Now, I'm gonna share something with you that might shock you. 
Do you know that even though for 2,000 odd years, we have labeled Thomas as doubting Thomas, that out of all the 12 disciples, he actually believed the easiest. Let me show you. Mark chapter 16, verse nine. It says, when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. So Mary, she sees Jesus and she goes and tells the 11 disciples. She said, I've seen Jesus, Jesus is alive. And it says, they did not believe it. So they've received one message and they don't believe it. It says, verse 12, afterward Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and also reported to the rest, but they did not believe them either. So here's the 11 disciples. They've now had two different groups of people tell them that Jesus is alive, share with them a message twice, and they still don't believe it. This is the other 11. This is the believing 11. But it gets even worse for them. (laughs) Luke 24, verse 36. While they were still talking about this, this is the same 11, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? Why do your doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. Hang on, haven't we seen this before? It is myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, and as you see, as you see, I have. When he, said, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? The 11 were more doubting than Thomas was. Thomas only needed one message, and he only needed to see Jesus once and touch him, and he believed straight away. The other 11 received two messages. They didn't believe it. They even saw and touched Jesus, and they still didn't believe it. And for 2,000 years, we've been calling him Doubting Thomas. That blew my mind. He should be called Believing Thomas. They should be called the Doubting 11. Doesn't that blow your mind? Two times they got a message. They still didn't believe. Sometimes we need more than a message. The message might draw someone to God but that miracle convinced them that he is real, that he is alive. See, I say this to say, if we're gonna change the city, the keys can come. If we're gonna turn a universities upside down, if we're gonna influence society for the better, if we're gonna see our families, our friends, our workmates, come to know that Jesus is real, that he is alive, if we're gonna help others see that God has a plan and purpose for their life, then a big part of that, I believe, is making a commitment to do what we can to build a community of miracles. If we do this, it means that others won't just hear the truth, but they'll experience the truth, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. 
1 John 4, 16, in the Amplified Version, it says, we have come to know by personal observation and experience and have believed with deep, consistent faith, the love which God has for us. There is something about a personal experience with the power of God that does something deep inside of you. You know, I've, I've grown up in church my entire life. I've been in this church since I was born. I've heard thousands of messages and I remember very few of them. Maybe I've just got a bad memory. But I tell you what I never forget. I have never forgotten the personal encounters I have had with the power of God. From it doesn't matter how young I was to right now, I remember them. They stick with me. They put seeds and anchors of faith in my heart. That's why we've spent so much time celebrating camp because there are seeds that are sown into young people's hearts that will stick with them forever. We might forget a message, but we will not forget an encounter with God. This should be a house of miracles. This should be a place where people can come in and boom, something touches them and it, and it opens up their world to the reality of Jesus Christ, that He is alive, that He is moving, that this book is not irrelevant, that it's more irrelevant to our life than ever before. People need to know that Jesus is alive and inside of us we carry something special that can prove it if we would just be willing to use it. You know, I, I believe the need for the church in Australia and the church around the world to build a community of miracles is greater than ever before. And I say that because although here in Australia, we have not experienced true persecution just yet. The frightening thing is that it's probably coming. The different voices that are being raised up, the different minority groups that are, that are pushing in, the different, you know, just principalities and powers. Those evil spirits that are trying to push things, it, it, it is coming. It is coming and, the, and I believe the only thing that will stop people buckling under the pressure and, and renouncing their faith or turning from Jesus is the fact that they know without a doubt that He is real. Because they can't shake, oh, I, yeah, people said this, but I had an experience and, and I might be able to explain away this stuff they said, but I can't explain away that. It did something in me and I can't shake. I cannot deny that Jesus is real. Do you know how the disciples, do you know how they went from being 12 guys who were like, they couldn't even quite work out who Jesus was to being martyrs for the faith, literally dying for their faith? It's because Jesus had proved to them without a doubt that He was real. In many ways, He proved to them that He was alive. And when it came to it, even when they were being murdered, they could not deny that He is real. You know, I wonder, I wonder if perhaps some of the reason why some who used to be in the church, some who perhaps we know that used to be passionate for the kingdom of God, I wonder why if some in the church universally have walked away from God because the church collectively focused so much on the message and neglected the miracles. They had the message, 
but they didn't have an encounter with God that stuck with them in their heart. That they're in that moment when there was doubt, when they were having a, 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 a crisis of faith, when they were hearing all these voices through social media and through friends and saying, nah, don't listen to that, listen to this, listen to that. In that moment, they didn't have something they said, yeah, I know that, but I can't deny this moment I had with Jesus. You know, I pray that that's not our story. I pray that we would look to create moments where people can encounter His presence and His power. And I'm actually, I'm so glad I'm part of a church that is. But I pray, let's, let's never dilute that. And again, I say, I'm not diminishing the message because my life is committed to preaching the message. I believe in the power of the Word of God. I believe that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I am not diminishing that. I'm just saying, as Paul said, if we want to be as effective as we can be, if we want to reach as many people as possible, then I believe we need the message and the miracles to fully present the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. I believe we need to combine the two. If we want to be potent, if we want to win a city, if we want to win a state, if we want to win a nation, then we've got to build this community of miracles. Amen. We've got to be committed. And so I want to ask you, would you be committed to going on the journey together? Would we commit to doing this? It probably won't happen overnight. And I think most likely it'll take a lot of hunger. It'll take a lot of prayer take a lot of fasting, seeking to become more sensitive to the prompting and leading of the Holy Spirit through His worship and through Word, but I believe that it is possible. I believe this is supposed to be a house of miracles, a place where anything can happen. I believe it can start here and it can spread out into your homes, into your workplaces, into your neighborhoods, into your schools, into your universities. Let me give you one more scripture and then we're gonna pray. Ask the team to come and if they could join me. This is something Jesus said in John 14, verse 12 through to 15. He said, I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Even greater miracles than these because I go to be with my Father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask in my name. And look at this. And this is how the Son will show that what the Father is really like and bring glory to Him. This is how the Son will show what the Father is really like. When we pray, according to His will and in His name, and He moves through our life in a miraculous way. That is how Jesus will show what the Father is really like. That is why people will come to know that He is real <laughs> and bring Him glory, which is the purpose of Jesus' life and now is the purpose of our life, to point people to God, the one who can change them from the inside out. What if the revival we are seeking 
is just on the other side of being willing to trust the Spirit of God to move through our lives, not just in church, but in our everyday life. What if it's right there and it's just waiting, just waiting for us, the church to go, hey, I'm available. I'm available today. Just being sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, what He wants to do. Can I say this? The Holy Spirit doesn't want to embarrass you. He doesn't want to make a fool of you. He just wants to move through you to minister to people because He loves them. He cares about them. And that's awesome in here, but that can happen just as easily out there. You know, most of the miracles we read about in the Bible, they didn't happen in a church service. They happen on the street, in people's homes, in people's workplaces. Just because someone was willing to be available and be open. I believe there's many miracles and many testimonies still to be written. Many things that God wants to do in and through our life as we commit to building a community of miracles. Amen. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you, and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past, and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did, and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose, and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good, and loves you. He's a father, He's a friend, and you can invite Him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm going to say this prayer, and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what? Maybe He's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus 
we can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.